for your mission, God, your plans, your purposes. Um, Father, I just pray that there would be a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the name of Jesus in this place today. <laughs> Lord, that when we read scripture or think about what you said, Lord, I pray it goes so deep in our heart, Lord, that it, it doesn't return void and it produces good fruit in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. All right, guys. So the next three weeks, I don't know if they made a slide this time, we were going to be talking about money. And um, I, had the ple- I have the pleasure of talking this first week on it. And so I don't know what the next two weeks necessarily hold. Pastor Jesse's got next week, and I don't know who, who's doing the third, but they do. Um, and so when I was thinking about it, I was wondering, you know, God, what do you want me to share about? And what I was going to do, which I don't know if we have enough time to do, but I was going to give you an outline of God's perspective of money from a biblical view, okay, and how we actually can participate and join God in his, in his will and what he wants us to do, and he also wants to provide for us, okay? I think sometimes there's a lot of fear that Christians get uh, because of scriptures like the love of money is the root of all evil or all kinds of evil and Things like that can actually scare us to work towards prosperity because we want to be good people and we don't want to love money. Anybody ever been there? Okay, so I kind of want to actually start with that concept. I want to start with um, just breaking down really simply what is money. Uh, And then I want to talk about Jesus and then we're going to end, okay? So to begin this, this idea of money, I want to start in the book of Genesis, if you have a Bible. Genesis chapter 2. Guys, this is going to be the shortest sermon I've, I've ever given. This is going to be like 20 minutes. Let's go. Here we go. Genesis chapter 2. says that in verse 8, the Lord planted a garden in Eden. Eden means paradise. And there he put the man he had formed. It goes on and talks about the rivers around it and how lush it is and how amazing it is. Um, It goes on and talks about the tree of knowledge and the different trees that were there. And then the Lord takes man, and it says that he put man and the woman in the garden. I'm going to save reading all of it for time. He puts them in the garden to work it and to care for it. He puts man in the garden to work it and to care for it. So I want to start with some concepts here and some thoughts. If man wasn't put in the garden, would there have been fruit on the trees? The answer is yes there would have been fruit on the trees. <laughs> if, you, if you go walk in the middle of the forest, I assure you, you will find some kind of plant, some kind of plant that's got berries or anything going on without the hands of man digging around it. You guys following? You will see vines and they will be growing, all kinds of things. But God put man and woman in the garden, his garden, his garden, 
to work and to care for it. And what's interesting is that the Lord actually made man and he says, he says to Adam and Eve, he says, be fruitful and multiply. Now, obviously, he's talking about them and as the human race to multiply and to cover the earth. But there's something in humans to multiply, to grow, to gain, to increase, and to build and to make things be more prosperous than they were before. To take what God has given, to put our hands to it, and see it increase and multiply more than if man's hands were not a part of it. There's something in you that there's a desire to grow, to extend, in in an Old Testament terms, extend your tent pegs, extend your influence, to grow what you have, to magnify the gifts that God's given you. There's something in you to always do more. You understand what I'm saying? That does not equal the love of money. And humans will have a conflict sometimes. Sometimes they'll feel like, oh, I have this desire to grow this business or things like that, but they can get caught up. Um, but first and foremost, we have to understand that God actually made us to be fruitful and multiply. And when he put man in the garden, you see, the Lord, the Lord has his own garden. Jesus has a parable where he says, the father is the vine dresser. We all know this? I'm the vine, you're the branches. Father prunes, cuts back things that aren't bearing fruit. Why? So that it might bear more fruit. You see, the fruit in the garden, it was made to feed the people, but not just the people, all the animals and everything else. And there's something in in human nature and who we are and how God created us to be like our Father in bringing increase so that it blesses everything around us, people and animals and everything, nature. You guys get what I'm saying? You were made to prosper. Now, how weird would it be if you... (laughs) How weird would it be if Adam was in the garden and he was really good with the apple trees and he made them like amazing? And then he took all the apples and he shoved them all into a barn and he just let them rot and die. And he goes, look at all my apples. And he's just proud of all the apples that he's stored up. That would be weird, right? Okay. That's what people do with money sometimes and that would be the love of money. When we hold the things that are God's, and we actually stop, we stop magnifying, and we stop, we stop growing, we stop being active with the things God's given us, and we keep it for ourselves so that it simply rots and dies. That's where God comes in with a hammer, and he's like, don't do that. There was a man, Jesus says, that took all of his riches, and he had so much, he put it in his barn, he goes, I got enough to live forever, and the Lord says, you fool, you, now you've lost your soul this very day. Wild. It'd be like Adam taking all the fruit that he's supposed to multiply, multiply this garden and then taking it and shoving it all into a barn for himself. Would be weird, right? So number one is God's garden. This world, everything that happens, everything that you have, it starts from God. 
This is God's world. He owns a th- <laughs> if you think what you own is yours and then God's got some other stuff, you are incorrect. Everything is his. Yes? So it starts there for us as Christians with a worldview of money and making money. We have to understand that this is God's, this is God's place. This is his creation. I am his. My money is his. My family is his. My clothes are his. Everything is his. Now people can take, if my son went over to his friend's house and was playing Legos, and he built something with his friend's Legos, and he goes, look at this awesome boat I just made. Does, that, does his creation of that Lego make the boat and the Legos his? The answer is no, it's still his friend's Legos. You understand? So you could take what God's given you and you can build all kinds of stuff, but it doesn't change the fact that it's all God's. Are you following? And the issue is when we get possessive and we go, this is my boat. I made it. That would be weird. And I'm sure the parents would say, I'm sorry, Judah, that's not your boat, buddy, because they're not your Legos. And then to take it from the other kid would be really weird. Right? Everything here belongs to God. It's his garden. But God wants you to prosper. God wants you to multiply. I'm not talking about for you to get so rich you stick it all into a barn to die. I'm talking about being like Adam and Eve in the original intent of working and caring for God's garden. Multiplying and magnifying the gifts that God has given you. God wants you to do that. Not just for you, but for every person and thing around you. Okay? Next, I want to talk about the love of money. We all know the scripture. It says, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, Right? And sometimes, sometimes I've heard uh, conversations and thoughts. It's almost like people think in the Old Testament, God was all down for people to be prosperous. So if people were blessed, in the Old Testament, it's like you'd be blessed or cursed, right? And if they were blessed, it says, I'll bless your farm, your storehouses, all these things. He, and it seems like God's just all about people prospering. And then they think in the New Testament, somehow it's changed and God's, not about that at all, and that if you like money at all, you're not in a good boat. Are you, are you following me? Um, but the idea of loving money and that being a bad thing is also an Old Testament idea. You guys know that? In the New Testament, it says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Here's what it says in the Old Testament. This is, let's go to it. This is Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes 5.10. I wrote it down wrong. It's in Ecclesiastes, and you'll find it. What it says is, and I know what it says, praise God. It says that the person who, who never has enough, who is not satisfied with his pay, is loving money. And it actually defines what loving money is. It's when 
you say, I never have enough. You see, the love of money is a heart thing. It's about contentment. But if you realize that everything here is God's, and if you realize that God, when you partner with him, will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory, there's no need for you to be discontented. You merely have to labor with your hands, and God will bring the increase You understand? So the love of money is not necessarily the desire for growing or the desire for abundance or the desire for magnifying the gifts on your life. The love of money is about you wanting to be possessive of God's things, number one, and number two, not being satisfied with where you're currently at. Here's some words of wisdom. Diligent hands bring wealth, but lazy hands bring poverty. Sometimes people sit on the sidelines and go, if God wants me to be wealthy, he'll make me wealthy, and he'll strike me with a lightning bolt, and I will win the lottery. No, go put your hands to something. The Bible says, whatever you put your hands to will prosper. Diligent hands bring wealth. Lazy hands bring poverty. Here's another one. Dishonest money dwindles away, but he who gathers little by little makes it grow. It's not a bad thing to see something grow. Make it grow and love the world. You were made to make it grow. Are you guys following me? I just, you know, the things I want people to come away with today at least, in our short amount of time, our few more minutes. (laughs) I don't want anybody in here to be afraid. Afraid of prosperity. Because if you were afraid of prosperity, that would be like Adam going into the garden and being afraid of him trimming the, the vines and it bearing more fruit. How weird would that be? That's weird. By the way, money, what is money? If I had, if I was Adam and I cut a bunch of apples, money is simply a note, a note that designates a certain quantity of goods. That's all money is. And governments have made money so that it's easier to trade, so that if I want to go get a cappuccino, I don't have to bring in a bucket of apples. The money itself isn't, the money is a symbol of goods, that it's worth some goods. Are you guys following? So magnifying goods isn't a bad thing. So money in itself isn't necessarily a bad thing in itself, right? It's a bad thing when your goods are all your goods. And they're not being used to further love, and God's will on earth. Jesus says, use your money to make friends. This is in the Gospel of Luke. Use your money to make friends 
on the earth so that you will have acceptance into eternal homes. What an interesting thing to say by Jesus. Use your money to make friends on earth so that you can be accepted into eternal homes. The Lord says, don't store up your riches on earth. Adam, don't put all your apples in a barn to rot. Don't store up your riches on earth where moth and rust corrupt and thieves break in and steal. But store up your riches in heaven for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Yeah? Where's, where's our treasure? Um, I'm going to have to do a part two sometime. Um, guys, you need an eternal perspective of money, too. If, if all you see in money is some new clothes, you're missing out on the potential of the goods that God has given you to bless other people. Okay? Um, in the last few minutes, I just want to meditate on this idea of Jesus. The Bible says that he is our first fruits, okay? Now follow with me, guys. Number one, you understand, I'm made to prosper. Not so that you can claim what's God's is yours, but so that you can help the world around you have life and be blessed. Are you following? You were made to prosper, to be a prosper, to be a blessing for others. You were made to prosper, to be a blessing for others. That's number one. In the Bible, in the Old Testament, the Lord would tell them, you know, give to the poor. Those who lend to the poor, the Lord will what? Oh man, we gotta memorize these verses. He will repay. He will give you back. Um, he goes on, and, and in the Old Testament, they would give, they would also give sacrifices of their goods. It's like their money. They would give sacrifices of their goods to the temple. And they would give it, and the story of the story with Abraham, this guy, this guy named Melchizedek, and Abraham gives him all these goods that he got from a battle that he won, okay? So in a nutshell, in the Old Testament, they would give things. But I want you to understand something. Jesus is, he's given a title in the New Testament, okay? And he's called the first fruits. So, God placed Adam and Eve in a garden. He says, do all this stuff, work ultimately to multiply, and then as time goes on, these people of Israel are told to give their first fruits. So when they are multiplying and they have a certain amount, they're doing an action that's representing that this is God's. You guys following what I'm saying? And they would give first fruits. But I want you to understand something. Jesus is the first fruits of heaven. God gave his son for you while you were yet a sinner. 
God gave the best of heaven for you. And then Jesus raises from the dead and enters into heaven first for us. Okay? We need more time. I'm going to leave you with this. God has made you for prosperity, not for yourself, but for others. And God wants you to use the good that he's given you to be a blessing for the kingdom and for everybody around you. So you are called to participate in that. Number one, put your hands to something. And some of you might be doing things like caring for kids. And I'll tell you this, that's worth more than a million dollars when you care for a child and their heart is formed in the ways of the Lord. Okay? So I'm not saying everybody's got to make a bushel of uh, apples. I'm just saying you're putting your hands to something, everybody. Yes? That's number one. But two is partnering with God in the heart of giving. You are not under a law where you have to do something to become righteous. You are under grace and under Christ Jesus, who is our example, who gave himself for us that we would give unto others and to help those around us. Are we following? Come on. Jesus, Jesus wasn't afraid of money. When he ran out of money, he wasn't like, uh-oh. We better fix our mailing list and really pressure people. His disciples came up to him and said, we've got no more money. He didn't say, go panhandle. But he did say, go grab a fish out of the water. <laughs> and in its mouth, you will find a gold coin that will cover a whole tax for all of us. How fascinating. God, God has provision for you in depths and places that you don't even know exist. You need not worry yourself with situations in your future of you not having enough. Okay, come on. It's like, you know? Ah, oh, so good. Um, and the last thing I'll say, you know, what motivates me to give, what motivates me to give isn't a fear of, oh no, I don't want to love money. Okay? What motivates me to give is number one, Jesus, that he's a giver. And even his life of giving, and they killed it, what happened to him? He resurrected. Why would I worry about money? If Jesus resurrected, my money will resurrect if I gave some to help somebody. Are you guys following? I'm not concerned with that. So number one, I'm imitating Jesus. And number two, my wealth is not dependent on my bank account. In Philippians, Paul says, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. That's following a context where the people were giving unto the ministry and supplying the needs of the apostle. 
So they supplied his needs in ministry, and he says, God will supply your needs. I'm not afraid to give because what I sow, I will reap, and I will reap more than what I sowed. I will sow a seed and I will reap a forest. I will sow a little and I will get pressed back, shaken together, overflowing more than anything. I'm not concerned with it. And if my overflow comes in eternity, it's even better for me. All right, we don't have much time. Can I get the worship team up here? Guys, okay. All of that was not to say give money to church, all right? That's a part of being a Christian. But what I'm ultimately wanting to get at, number one is what is money? It's just, a, it's just an image of goods. But what, what are we gonna do? Number one, don't love it. Don't love the goods. Like you're working for the goods and having all the goods to have pride and be able to boast that you got more apples in your barn than the person next to you. How silly. Come on. But be prosperous. Put your hands to the things that God's called you to do. And the Bible says what you put your hands to will prosper. Yes? Put your hands to it. And I just want to encourage you. Be generous. Be generous to people around you. There's people in need literally everywhere. It's not a difficult thing. They're everywhere. There's people always suffering around us. And we might not always have all the means to help every individual. And sometimes your generosity isn't necessarily money. Sometimes it's words. Sometimes it's standing with somebody whose dog is being put down. That's generosity, to be generous with your time, to be generous with your affection, to be generous with your thoughts and your words for another person. Are you following? Guys, yes. And don't ever think, okay, well, if I have little, then I'm giving little. And someone who's given more has given more. The Lord actually blows all of that out of the water when a woman gives two pennies. And, and the Lord says this woman gave more than all these other people giving way more money. Because she gave from all that she had, right? And so the Lord sees beyond what even worldly people, they all, people judge, they're judges. You know what I'm saying? But we don't need to be judges in that way, even of ourselves. But seek to be generous. Seek to imitate the Lord who loves us, who gave everything for us, right? That's my encouragement. Father, we just thank you. Um. thing I was during worship when we were singing that joy song I couldn't help but think about Jesus as like in two ways either one is like a coach of a sports team or two as as a leader of an army okay and I was thinking of that verse that the joy of the Lord is my strength singing that verse the joy of the Lord is my strength and then I thought about the verse that sits in heavens and laughs he laughs at his enemies the ones who go and dig a pit, dig a pit for themselves. They've set a pit for you and they will fall into their own pit. And I thought about, I thought about Coach Jesus or military leader Jesus laughing, laughing at plans of the enemy. 
And I was thinking, if I was a player or if I was a person that's a warrior under the command of Christ himself and he's laughing at what the enemy is planning to do, I would get some strength in me. Yeah. God sees your future. God knows everything about you. He loves you so much. He's got good plans. He's got plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. Amen.